Our scripture is from Philippians chapter 2, and I am going to be reading verses 14 through the end of the chapter. Do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, innocent children of God, surrounded by people who are crooked and corrupt. Among those people you shine like stars in the world, because you hold on to the word of life. This will allow me to say on the day of Christ that I haven't run for nothing or worked for nothing. But even if I am poured out like a drink offering upon the altar of service for your faith, I am glad. I am glad with all of you. You should be glad about this in the same way. Be glad with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you as soon as I may... Excuse me. To see you soon so that I may be encouraged by hearing about you. I have no one like him. He is a person who genuinely cares about your well-being. All the others put their own business ahead of Jesus Christ's business. You know his character, how he labors with me for the gospel, like a son works with the father. So he is the one that I hope to send as soon as I found out how things turn out for me here. I trust in the Lord that I will also visit you soon. I think it is also necessary to send Epaphroditus to you. He is my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier. He is your representative who serves my needs. He misses you all, and he will be upset because you heard that he was sick. In fact, he was so sick that he nearly died. But God had mercy on him, and not just on him, but also on me, because his death would have caused me great sorrow. Therefore, I am sending him immediately, so that when you see him again, you can be glad, and I won't worry. So welcome him in the Lord with great joy and show great respect for people like him. He risked his life and almost died for the work of Christ. And he did this to make up for the help you couldn't give me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I have a little, um, I don't know, something I want to do with you this morning. Um, On some of your chairs, you might notice there is a white sheet of paper. Now, this may be just an exercise for the artistic among you, but I'm I'm just going to walk through this exercise with you. I am going to ask you to draw something simply by my description of it. So I'm going to give you a description on how to draw a horse. And I would like you, or at least some of you, to attempt to draw what I am describing without seeing it. Okay? Did you catch that? I'm going to give you a second so you can grab. There's there's a sheet of paper around you and you want to do this. Okay? So these are very basic instructions that I looked up on the internet. And the internet's always true and right. So this must be the true and white way to draw a horse. But I'm going to ask you to draw a horse just based on my description. All right. To begin with, make two approximately equal circles joined by two horizontal curved lines. Okay? And this should resemble the shape of a bean for the horse's torso. Okay, got that? I'll give you a couple seconds. Okay. I'm not an artist, so I don't know how long this should take, but we're going to do it fast. Next, draw two smaller circles to draw the horse head. Connect these simple lines to make its skull. Then... Join it to the body with two straight lines for its neck. I'll repeat that because that was a lot in one. 
Next, draw two smaller circles to draw the horse's head. Connect these with simple lines to make the skull. Then join it to the body with two straight lines for its neck. Now focus on its legs. The front ones are simpler since you only need a couple of rectangles and circles for the joints, ending in two diagonal lines that connect to an oval representing the hoof. <laughs> you want me to? I've got the repeat. Please repeat. Okay, next, focus on its legs. The front ones are simpler since you only need a couple of rectangles and circles for the joints, ending in two diagonal lines that connect to an oval representing the hoof. Okay. For its back legs, draw a small circle under the back end of the horse to shape the thigh. And as with the front legs, draw the back legs with lines and circles. Only this time there are two diagonal sections. Got that? <laughs> I am sort of proving a point, so that's, that's good. All right. Once the structure is set, it's time to define the shape of the horse's body by draw, joining all the previously drawn lines. Okay. <laughs> now you can clean up the shape and make the shape of the horse. I, I've, this, is, this is the instructions that were given me. I will not ask you to give me examples, although if you want to turn in your work at the end of today, I would be happy to look at them and rejoice and laugh with you. So I had somebody in our office do this this week. I just gave him... Now, I just gave you a clue as to who it was. Anyway, I, I gave him the sheet that I'm reading from. The, the actual thing on the internet had, like, actual examples, but again, point proving. Um, so I, I just want to show you what this person came up with. This is the horse based on the description. Now, we won't say who this was who drew this horse. <laughs> but seriously, not to show, throw Sheldon under the bus, I didn't even try because it would have been horrible. So last week, um, we were in Philippians 2, and Sheldon focused on verses 5 through 11. And in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, we have this incredible description by Paul. He has gone through great lengths in those verses to draw out and to describe the character of Jesus Christ. Right? So if you weren't here last week or don't remember, it goes something like this. This is the Mike paraphrase version, but, but it's pretty accurate. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. But instead, he emptied himself and became like a slave. And being found in human likeness, likeness of a slave... He became nothing, even to death on the cross. And Paul kind of gives this description of Jesus, and his description is much better. Look it up, read it. It's much better than what I just said. And he tells the Philippians this, have in you this same mind that was in Christ Jesus. And so Paul draws out this beautiful and this long description in, in his letter to the Philippians describing the character and the nature of Christ. But I got to tell you, sometimes it's hard to draw the thing just having it described in words. 
where where my mind went when I I was thinking about this passage of scripture and and, and when I was thinking about what this looked like and how do we follow Paul's advice here to, to have in us that mind of Christ Jesus, I say, great, that's awesome. God has given us not only the will to want to be like Jesus, but also given us the strength to actually do it. But the question I often ask myself is when someone says, act like Jesus, and gives me this description, it's sometimes hard to visualize and to think about how that would look in my life, right? How would that look like if I were to put that on the paper of my life, if I were to draw that into my life, right? Because I'm not Jesus and neither are you. That, I hope that doesn't come as a revelation to any of us, but I'm not Jesus and, and you aren't Jesus. We, we are not in the very nature God. We are not equal with God. Jesus was. And so Paul gives us this description and we think, great, awesome, wonderful. What in the world does that look like for me? I'm not Jesus, so how am I supposed to be in this world? What does it look like for me to embody and to put flesh on this description that Paul has given? It's one thing if Paul just were to describe it and say, hey, this is Jesus. This is what it looked like. This is who he was, right? Very nature God and yet did not exploit his position at God. And yet, and yet he became a servant to us. And, and God looks like this and Christ looked like this. In fact, Christ became a servant so much and loved us so much that he died for us. It's one thing for Paul to give that description, say, this is what Jesus looks like. It's quite another for us when he says, now have in you this same mind that was in Christ Jesus. Paul, what does it look like for us to have in us the same mind that was in Christ Jesus? Sometimes it's hard to know what it would look like without a picture. It's hard to know how to draw the thing without some sort of fuller description of what this might look like for us worked out in a human life, in a life like mine or a life like yours. How does it look like for us to have in us the same mind that was in Christ Jesus? And and so Paul kind of ends that description by, by those powerful words, right? He has given you not only the will, but also the strength to accomplish these things. And then it seems like in, in the text that where we started today, Paul takes this like left turn, right? He goes from describing this high, what we call high Christology and this beautiful hymn to Jesus Christ. And then he says, oh, and by the way, let's talk about Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus. It, it's like he goes from this like super heavy theological deep stuff and then says, oh, by the way, here's what's going to happen next. And here's, here's some housekeeping things. And and what's really strange is that actually Paul presents this right in the middle of the gospel, or excuse me, in the letter. Normally, if if we were to talk about it, if we were to to look at what Roman letters might look like in those days, this would be stuff that happens at the end, right? This is kind of the final thoughts, right? Uh, Other of his letters say, you know, so-and-so brings greetings, and I'm going to send so-and-so, and the person who is carrying this letter, you know, says hi, all that sort of stuff. But Paul puts it right in the middle, And while Paul is free to make his letters however he wants, generally speaking, Paul does stuff for a reason. Why would Paul put this here? As I read about Paul, 
in the words that come next, as we read about Timothy in the words that come next, we read about Epaphroditus. I, I begin to wonder if perhaps Paul intentionally puts this particular greeting, this particular bit of housekeeping where he does for the purpose of giving the people an example of what a Christ-like mind might look like in their midst. So as we go through this, this text, we, we see that first Paul talk, kind of starts talking about himself, right? He, he talks about rejoicing with the people and having them rejoice with him. And, and, and then he says something which is really strange. These are the words that he uses. He says, even if I'm poured out like a libation on the offering of your faith. Strange sort of language for Paul to use. But it's interesting because it mirrors some of the language Paul has already used. Christ emptied himself for the sake of others. And Paul says, even if I am poured out, emptied on your behalf, on the sacrifice of your faith, I count it all joy. Is it perhaps that Paul is talking of himself and saying, here's some of the ways in which this works out in our lives. Paul, Paul addresses the Philippians throughout this particular letter in ways that shows his deep, deep love for them, his deep, deep commitment to them. And it's as if he's saying, and Paul's really good at this, he's saying, hey, look how I do things. Elsewhere in this letter, Paul will say, follow me as I follow Christ. But part of what this might be is that Paul is, is using the language and talking about himself in, in, in ways of saying, look, this is how we go about doing. He says, I'm in prison and I may never get out. But that's okay. And I rejoice to see you come to maturity in Christ, even if I am poured out, even if I am killed. Even if I am killed for this witness of Christ, I do so with joy. I die with joy because I have seen your faith grow. Essentially, Paul says, to live this life and having the mind of Christ Jesus means to look at things in a different way. And he says, if, if you need some examples, see in my life how, how I am willing to be poured out for the sake of you and, and just so that I can stand next to you on the day of the Lord and rejoice with you. And that's okay. Because this calling I have is more important than anything else is basically what Paul is saying. If I am poured out like an offering or like a libation on the offering of your faith, I will rejoice. What does it look like to have the mind of Christ Jesus? Paul is saying it, it, it looks like caring this much and desiring this much to see others come to faith and grow in faith and to be known in Christ. And we'll talk about this next week. So if, sorry if you're not going to be here, but, but we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. But Paul says, this is the goal, right? To live in this way, to care about others in this way. He said, if you need an example, I care for you in this way. Paul will never die so that the Philippians might have salvation. That'll never happen. Jesus did that once for all. That's done with. But Paul says, I am willing to be poured out for your sake. Paul is in prison because he preaches the gospel. And while Paul preaches the gospel because of his love for Christ, he also does so because of his love for the people to whom he preaches, for he desires to see them come to know Jesus as he does. You can tell, if you read the book of Philippians, you can tell he loves this group of people. You can tell he means what he says. So Paul says, if you need an example, exhibit A, perhaps you might look at me. 
and how I have loved you and how I worked among you. But then Paul says, I'm also thinking about sending Timothy to you. Timothy was kind of an aide, and, and he was one who was with Paul when Paul was first in uh, Philippi, when Paul established the church there. It was, it was he and Timothy and, and, and some others who were there, and, and they worked among the people, and they loved the people. And Paul essentially also says, hey, you know Timothy, right? I can't come to you. I'm in prison. But I will send Timothy to you. And, and notice how he describes Timothy. He says, all the other guys... I don't know who the other guys are, but all of them said care about their own interests more than they care about the interests of Christ. Which is, again, interesting, given the description we've just had of Jesus. Look not to your own interests, but the interests of others. And if you need to know how to do that, Christ is that. Who cares for the world so much, he gives himself for the world. Because Timothy is the only one I have who genuinely cares for you more than he cares for himself. He's looking out for your interests. He loves you. He cares for you. He's, he wants to give himself for you. All the other guys, they don't do that. I don't know who the other guys are. Presumably they did. He said, all the other guys, they don't care about you like Timothy cares about you. What does it look like? What is an example? What is a picture of Christ-like love working itself out in a community? And, and Paul says, well, you can look at me. Or you can look at Timothy. He, he's my co-worker in the gospel. And he has ministered to me. In fact, I'm going to send him to you, but I have to figure out, you know, how it'll work out with me first. But, but then maybe I'll send him to you. Like, you can see how much Paul cares for Timothy. And how, for lack of a better term, difficult it is to, to send Timothy on. It, it, it's hard because Paul and Timothy had worked together and they continue to work together. And Timothy encourages, I'm sure, Paul. In fact, his name is son of encouragement. That's what Timothy means. Um, anyway, sorry, aside. But, but he, they're working alongside him. So it's hard for Paul to send him on down the road. To send him to the Philippians. But Paul says he cares for you so much. He is an example of Christ in your midst. You know how hardworking he is. And so I'm going to send him to you. So yes, this might be some housekeeping stuff that Paul's going. Like, I can't see you. I'm going to send Timothy. But again, I don't think it's accidental that Paul puts it here. He's like, nobody cares for you like I care for you, but I'm in prison for your sake. And Timothy cares for you so much, just like Jesus cares for you. He's an example of how to work out this Christ-like love, how to have the mind that was in Christ Jesus. If you want an example, Timothy is a good one. I don't think Paul would ever say himself or any of these people are perfect. I think it's important to note that. Nor would Paul ever say, hey, this person perfectly exemplifies Jesus. But I think what Paul is saying is we need some examples. It's, it's helpful to have examples to look like of what, of how this might work out in our lives when we think of what it means to live as Christ Jesus lived, to have in ourselves the mind that was in Christ Jesus. And so Paul says, here's some pictures of what that might look like, some glimpses, some tastes, if you will, of what the mind of Christ looks like as it's at work in people's lives. Just look at me and look at Timothy. And then... The coup de grace, perhaps, is Epaphroditus. Paul says, I I may not be able to see Timothy right away, but I'm definitely going to send you Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was, at least from everything we know and read, was a part of the Philippian church. So perhaps he was a native of Philippi. We don't know for sure, but we know that, that 
Epaphroditus comes to know Paul and comes to be with Paul because the church at Philippi sent him there. Maybe they sent him with a letter that would have not been out of bounds. Maybe they sent him because he was, you know, showed some aptitude for the apostolic life or the prophetic life. And so they sent him to Paul to learn to, to be an assistant. Perhaps they took up a collection in the ancient world, in the Roman world, like you were in prison. They didn't feed you. You had to fend for yourself, which is hard if it was in prison. So you had to have other people do it for you. And so maybe that's what the Philippians did. They sent gifts of, of food or money or, or somehow helping Paul to live while he was in prison awaiting trial. And they sent Epaphroditus to him. And what we come to find out is that Epaphroditus, in, in the course of his work for the gospel and his work for the church, had come close to death. Paul says, he, in fact, he nearly died. And he hadn't been back home, back to Philippi since. And they had heard about him. Remember, they only communicate by letters. They didn't text, right? No Facebook updates, right? They, and so the only way they're hearing is the sporadic news that's coming from wherever Paul is, probably Rome, to Philippi. And they're hearing about Epaphroditus. He's, he's close to death. And then, you know, weeks, perhaps months go by before another letter comes their way. Perhaps it's the first time they heard that he is not close to death anymore. Well, Paul says, I will definitely send Epaphroditus because you know him. But Paul describes Epaphroditus as one who has nearly given his life for the sake of the gospel. Who has nearly given himself, poured out to death. His life for the sake of the gospel and the call of Jesus Christ. Another example of one who is living out this same mind that was in Christ Jesus. All these three people, Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus, they look different, they act different, they have different strengths and different talents, and they all embody this in different ways, right? Paul is in prison because of the gospel. Timothy shows genuine love and care and concern for the Philippians. Epaphroditus is worried sick because he has made the Philippians worried sick. But in this all, we see these examples of those who have a mind that was like Christ Jesus. Examples of how the people might live if they were to pursue this same mind that was in Christ Jesus. We all need these examples, I think. I, I think when we, we hear words, and, and words are great, and I love words. This is what I do for a living, right? But, but words are not always sufficient without a picture in front of us of how this might work out in our lives. And here, Paul gives just, there's three examples of those who, who seem in them to have the mind that was in Christ Jesus. Paul says, look at how they live. Look at how they minister. Look at how they love. And this is how to have a mind that was in Christ Jesus. This is what the horse looks like, so to speak. <clears throat> and so he's pointing the Philippians to these examples so that they might see in the examples the ultimate example of Christ. Again, it's important to note, Paul is saying, we follow Jesus, right? We don't follow Paul. We don't follow Apollos. We don't follow Timothy. No, Paul Epaphroditus, we follow Jesus. But, but there are people in our lives, he says, there are people who you know who have this character of Christ. And if you want to know how the work of God works out in the world, think of those people. And then follow them as they follow Christ. In short, all of these people point us to Jesus. 
some of you may know that um, the person who was kind of the overseer of of myself and the churches in the Western Washington area, our district superintendent, passed away about a week and a half ago. And as I was doing this, this I can't pretend that didn't form how I was reading this text, but I, I couldn't help but think of him as I read this text. How, how, do, how do I have in me this, the mind that is in Christ Jesus? How does that work out in life? How does, how does someone like me who's called to this position here do so faithfully while giving myself completely over to the mind of Christ? And, and as I was thinking about that, I kept thinking of Jerry. And coming to know him over the last 10 years and seeing his passion for others, his passion for Jesus. Seeing him weep over the church in both pain and in joy. Seeing him as one who ran the race well. I want to have the mind of Christ Jesus and Jerry helps me see what that looks like. I wonder if there are people in your life, mentors, friends, who help you catch a glimpse of what this kind of love, the the mind that was in Christ Jesus, looks like as it's worked out in the life of the people around you. We live a couple thousand years removed from this event. And sometimes it's hard to identify. But, But we have people like, for me, Jerry, who shows me what it's like to have the mind of Christ Jesus so that So that as I say, God, I want to be like you. I want to have this mind, but what does that look like for me? I might see an example, a little picture that helps me draw it better in my life. I might see an example of how to live faithfully in a world that is full of craziness. Have you read the news this week? It's a crazy world. Quite frankly, it always has been, but... But there are people in it who help us to focus our minds on what it means to be like Christ. Are they perfect? By no means. Jerry wasn't a perfect person. We had our disagreements. But he showed me what it was like to live faithfully to Jesus. To have the mind of Christ Jesus. I just want to take a moment right now and allow you to think of who that is for you. Who are the people in your life who you look at and go, I may not agree with everything that they say, but man, they, they look a lot like Jesus. I want to look like that. Not because they're perfect, not because they should be worshipped, far from it. But because they point to him. They show us what it's like to have the mind of Christ knowing that we inhabit frail and weak bodies, knowing that even our heroes sometimes disappoint us, but knowing that there are people who have pointed us to Jesus and who have shown us what it's like to live like him. And as Paul points out Epaphroditus and Timothy and even points a little bit to himself, always keeping in mind that Paul said, follow me only as I follow Christ. Follow me as I lead you to Christ. Who are those people who point you to Jesus? Who are those people who show you what it means to have the mind of Christ? 
can we think on them today and be thankful that God has given us pictures, not just words on a page, not just descriptions on how to draw a horse, but a picture of what that horse looks like. In Jesus, ultimately, but in people who have been following him faithfully for thousands of years. The Jerry's. And many others who point us to him. And having been pointed to Jesus, to what it looks like to have the mind of Christ, can we commit ourselves anew to follow their example as they follow Christ? The worship is going to come back up as we sing this final song. And I want to encourage you again as we, as we sing to, to not only remember and give thanks for those of us, or for those who point you to Jesus, who show you what it looks like to have the mind of Christ as they live out in this crazy world, but also to commit yourself anew. Having the faith that Jesus has said, that Paul has said, the one who calls you is faithful. He, he not only gives you the desire to be like Jesus, but gives you the strength to do so as well. Will you please stand and sing?